Welcome to The Manly Catholic. In this podcast, we will inspire, challenge, and equip all men to become the men they were created to be. Join us as we journey together to become the best versions of ourselves and strive to change our communities one man at a time. Hello all, welcome to the Father Dom Homily edition. This is from the Feast of the Transfiguration of the Lord. This will be from August 6th of 2023. A reading from the book of Daniel. As I watched, thrones were set up and the Ancient One took his throne. His clothing was bright as snow and the hair on his head as white as wool. His throne was flames of fire with wheels of burning fire. A surging stream of fire flowed out from where he sat. Thousands upon thousands were ministering to him and myriads upon myriads attended him. The court was convened and the books were opened. As the visions during the night continued, I saw one like a son of man coming on the clouds of heaven. When he reached the ancient one and was presented before him, the one like a son of man received dominion, glory, and kingship. All peoples, nations, and languages serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that shall not be taken away. His kingship shall not be destroyed. The word of the Lord. The responsorial psalm. The response is, The Lord is King, the Most High over all the earth. The Lord is King, let the earth rejoice, let the many islands be glad. Clouds and darkness are round about him, justice and judgment are the foundation of his throne. The Lord is King, the Most High over all the earth. The mountains melt like wax before the Lord, before the Lord of all the earth. The heavens proclaim his justice, and all the peoples see his glory. The Lord is King the Most High over all the earth. Because you, O Lord, are the Most High over all the earth, exalted far above all gods. The Lord is King, the Most High over all the earth. A reading from the second letter of Peter. Beloved, we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we had been eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received honor and glory from God the Father, when that unique declaration came to him from the majestic glory. This is my son, my beloved, with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this this voice come from heaven while we were with him on the holy mountain. Moreover, we possess the prophetic message that is altogether reliable. You will do well to be attentive to it, as to a lamp shining in a dark place, until day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. The word of the Lord. Alleluia, alleluia. This is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. Alleluia, alleluia. Now I'll pass it off to Father Dom. Again, this is the Feast of the Transfiguration of the Lord from August 6, 2023. God bless. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Good morning. And happy Feast of the Transfiguration of our Lord. It's a privilege that we get to celebrate this this feast this Sunday to unpack the deep, rich mysteries and graces that we can receive from the transfiguration because it's just not something that happened a long ago. It's like a historical fact. And this is a historical reality. This isn't some made-up story. This is something that really, truly did happen. In the Holy Land, you can go to Mount Tabor where the transfiguration took place. I've been there twice. In preparing for this homily and thinking about the transfiguration, 
the word pilgrimage came to mind. And it's been on my mind for a couple months. And I'm also reminded of something a priest's friend told me about pilgrimages. He says, if you want to help revive the parish that you're at, offer pilgrimages. He's been to the Holy Land many times, and he's taken many of his flock with him as well into Rome. There's a variety of pilgrimages that we can go on. They just don't have to be international destinations. They can be domestic. They can be local. And so what I'm doing here at OLC is I'm going to start doing pilgrimages, local pilgrimages. And so this past Friday, we entered into a pilgrimage. We went to Detroit. We took a busload of people, close to 50 people. We went to the Solanus Casey Center, the Capuchin Friary there. I don't know if you've ever been there before. But Blessed Solanus Casey is on his way to becoming a saint. So we entered into this pilgrimage, not only going to the Solanus Casey Center in Detroit, but we visited two beautiful churches as well, St. Anne's and then St. Joseph, two beautiful, powerful churches. And it was a pilgrim journey. I had to remind the people that when you're a pilgrim, this isn't a field trip. We're not entering into a field trip. This isn't a vacation. We're not tourists. And the day was packed. We left early here in the morning and we traveled to Detroit. We spent most of the day in Detroit and we got back here late in the evening. And we were tired. Such is a pilgrimage. And in the midst of an authentic pilgrimage, if you're open to the movements of God, you will be transformed. Because in a pilgrimage, God wants to show you something. And it's relative to who you are and what state you are in your life and your relationship with God as well. God will show you something unique, particular to your own, if you're open to him. And so I do believe that a lot of grace has happened on this pilgrimage. And on the way back home, people were tired. Our feet were sore. We did a lot of walking. Sometimes kind of smelt like people's deodorants were failing. <laughs> That's all part of the pilgrim experience. You're tired. Maybe there were points where you were irritated on the bus. Maybe you didn't want to walk anymore. Maybe you didn't want to sit anymore. Maybe you didn't want to listen to the guide who was talking and talking and talking through all the sites that we were visiting. Maybe you didn't want to pray anymore. Maybe you just wanted to go home and, and just be in silence. But you entered into the irritation and discomfort of the pilgrimage because that's when you're going to encounter God and be transformed. So today, in the transfiguration, we too get to encounter Jesus Christ. For Peter, James, and John, they entered into a short pilgrimage as well as they climbed the mountain and witnessed a transfiguration. Then they had to climb back down the mountain to go back into the darkness of the world. But in that moment of climbing the mountain, witnessing the transfiguration, and climbing back down the mountain, they experienced something very powerful and very unique. In their pilgrimage, they were transformed. They saw Jesus of who he was, God, and his divinity, working outside the laws of physics. He was transfigured in Greek, metamorphosis, meta, outside, forma, the form. And they were changed because they began to realize who he was, God. Where do we experience the transfiguration today? Here. At the Mass. Every Mass, we experience the transfiguration. For we too climb the mountain of the Lord 
where we experience Jesus Christ not only transfigured, but transubstantiated here at the altar. We climb the mountain of the Lord, and not only do we get to experience Jesus in his transfigured state, we're here and he's there transfigured, but we get to receive him inside us. So we climb the mountain, we receive Jesus. And then we climb back down the mountain into the darkness of the world and the chaos and confusion, and we bring Jesus with us to bring the light. So just don't think the transfiguration is some really cool, neat story. It has no meaning and impact to us today. Every single mass, we experience the Lord. We climb the mountain. Some of us may want to stay here. Father Dominic, let us build three booths. We can stay here. Maybe some of you want to leave. <laughs> get in and get out. No. Let us stay. So what if Mass is an hour and 10 minutes or an hour and 15? Let us stay. To understand the transfiguration in a little bit more deep way, we have to put ourselves in the positions of Peter, James, and John as well. We have to look at this with Jewish eyes. For in the context in which we hear the gospel, that's exactly what's happening. They don't know anything about the 2,000 years of history which we get to embrace as, as Catholics because they have not yet experienced the passion of Jesus and his death and his resurrection and his ascension and the descent of the Holy Spirit and the building of the churches and the fullness of the sacraments that we get to receive. They don't know anything about that. But if we put ourselves in the shoes of Peter, James, and John and understand what it, what it means to look like from a Jewish perspective, we can get a deeper meaning of what the transfiguration means for them. And as, and, and as to why Peter said, let us build three booths. So let's look at our first reading today from Daniel chapter 7. It's a very powerful chapter, the chapter before and the chapter after as well. Daniel is, 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 is talking about the fin final coming of the Messiah that would destroy all kingdoms and build the right kingdom and bring all people to God, the one true God. If you know anything about Daniel, not in this reading from this chapter, but later on, Daniel begins to talk about four beasts that come up from the oceans or come up from the cracks of the earth. These four beasts are most specifically the Persian Empire, the Babylonian Empire, the Greek Empire, and then finally the Roman Empire. And there's only four. They've experienced the Persian Empire. They've experienced the Babylonian Empire. They've experienced the Greek Empire and all the persecution that was committed by them. Now they're in the midst of the Roman Empire. What makes it so fascinating and exciting for Peter, James, and John is that they know that the Roman Empire in which they are under is the last empire before the Messiah comes. And many Jews knew that as well. So they were quick to desire that the Roman Empire should be destroyed so that the coming of Messiah in which Daniel is prophesying will come so that they can be free and that they can have their one kingdom. So the messianic fervor was intense because they knew that once the Romans were defeated, the real true Messiah would come. And the reason why this takes so much intensity in the gospel today is because there's two figures who show up. Elijah and, Mo Elijah and Moses. As we know, Moses representing the law. Elijah representing the prophets. But to Peter, James, and John, when they see Moses and Elijah with Jesus, they're even more intensified. 
their, their desire for the Messiah is even more intensified because when Moses and Elijah come, most specifically Elijah, that means the second coming of Christ will come. And so when they see Elijah, they're filled with joy, they're filled with excitement, and they're filled with awe. Because according to Jewish tradition, when Elijah comes, the Antichrist will be fought against and the victory will be made and the Romans will be defeated. So when we see a Moses, Moses and we see Elijah and we see Jesus in the midst of them, we see Moses as the law, we see Elijah as the prophets and the coming of the Messiah. And also what, what's happening is that Moses and Elijah, they're confirming Jesus Christ who represents the light of the one true gospel. So we have all these interesting characters. Peter, John, James, Moses, Elijah, and Jesus. The transfiguration is more than just Jesus working outside the laws of physics because he owns the laws of physics and outside space and time. But it also means something for us too. Not only the mass, but the characters mean something for us. If you dive deep into the scholastics, such as St. John Chrysostom or St. Anselm or St. Thomas Aquinas or St. Hilary of Poyer, you will see that when they unpack the characters, it means something for us. Well, what do they say about Peter? Well, the reason why Peter was called up to the Mount of Transfiguration with Jesus is because Peter loved Jesus the most, and he's the rock, which represents charity. Well, they go on to say, well, why was John there? Well, John was there because Jesus loved John the most. And John also represented the power of virginity and chastity. Well, why was James there? Well, James represents, they say, the trampling down of vice, holding true to Christ's teachings. Because he was the first to be murdered. He was the first to be martyred. So he represents the strength of holding to the law and the commandments and following Jesus, even if it means death. Well, Moses is there and it represents the law, but what does that mean for us? It means we too embrace God's commandments, no matter how hard or difficult they may be. Because God is the one true God who loves us and what he provides for us is good. His laws and his commandments. They're not ones of slavery and burden, but ones of freedom. And Elijah represents the prophets. Prophet is the mouthpiece of God. When we're baptized, we're baptized as priests, prophet, and king. We're baptized as prophets. So we model Elijah as well. We too, when we receive the transfiguration and transubstantiated Christ here on the top of the mountain, when we go back down into the world, we have courage to be a prophet like Elijah as well and to bring the word of God. Transfiguration today, my brothers and sisters, is, is something that we embrace today most powerfully and every day, most especially here at the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass. So let us go to the mountain of the Lord and let the Lord come down to us. Let us love the Lord like Peter. Let us stand for the Catholic Church's teachings, even if it means being martyred like James and preached like Elijah. Let us hold true to the commandments and law like Moses. But I think what's most powerfully needed today, and I experience it in confession and spiritual direction and even in my own heart, let us be like John. Why? Because John let Jesus love him. Remember, John was there because Jesus loved John the most. So let Jesus love you today in a very powerful way. Let us open our hearts to him. 
Let us open our hearts to the power and the beauty of the transfiguration. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Thank you all so much for tuning in to another episode of The Manly Catholic. If you have not already done so, please hit that subscribe button wherever you get your podcast to make sure you don't miss a single episode. It will also help grow the show and reach as many men as possible. We truly think this podcast can change families and help men to change the world. Thank you again so much for tuning in and God bless you.